All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, everybody, welcome to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott and Tim Wurzberger. We are the official, official podcast. Is it official or official, Tim? Every time you say official, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know either, but it, we are, I guess we are both the official and official podcast of HockeyFights.com. Check it out if you like to see men. And I don't know, is there women's fights on there? I think it's just men for now. Getting punched in the face. Punched in the nose. And in my case, if you're fighting Colt Nor, getting punched in the breadbasket. Getting the wind knocked out of you, losing a fight in the weirdest way possible. But anyway, check it out. It's always entertaining. We are very grateful to have them as partners. Anyways, back to Tim. How you doing, my man? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I got the uh, the boot on now. So cast is gone. I got the boot. Little baby steps. That's progress. So you can take baby leg. steps. Is that what you're saying? Not yet. Not yet. A couple more weeks before I can put weight on it still. But um, But it is a step in the right direction. That is good. We're very happy to hear that. We want to see you back out on the ice as, as fast as possible. If, if people are wondering why we're sounding a little bit clearer, a little bit more crispier, we got some new microphones, Tim. Oh, yeah. Difference maker. Game changer. We are just stepping up the game for your listening pleasure, so I hope you appreciate it. They weren't cheap, but, you know, I got to do what I got to do for my fans. So I got... I, I, I don't like the way I sound sometimes. These, these these work out great. But anyways, that's why we're sounding a little differently. Hopefully, we can continue to improve the product for you guys. Moving on. Game one is in the books. Vegas, Montreal. I got, you know, I have bold predictions. I, I try to rein myself in. I try to control myself. Last episode, I was just fed up. I... I'm tired of like trying to make this into a series when it's not. And maybe I, I, I overstepped a little bit. And I pronounced Vegas the champs, but I'm not backing down. I think Vegas will sweep them for nothing, but maybe I didn't state how good Montreal is. They're a good hockey team. Anyways, we threw something on social media like we always do, like everybody does. And it got a little flack, Tim. People didn't like it. And it was mostly Montreal fans. It was mostly people sticking up for their teams. But what kind of irked me, and I don't usually get irked by by much on social media just because it's just all... It's usually all negative, and it is what it is. Some people were just questioning my credibility. They go, "What do you know? You're you're just you know you're just a fighter. You're you, you what do you know, you bum?" I'm like, okay. First of all, I 
I'm not, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt because I'm assuming these people are Montreal fans. That's fine. You're allowed to stick up for your team. But in that same vein, I have no dog in this race. You know what I mean? I, I have no allegiance to Vegas. I have no allegiance to Montreal. I think that's what makes podcasts successful, especially sports podcasts. I don't care about anything. I have no allegiance to anybody. I'm good friends with Jumbo Thornton. I, I sold him down the river so many times at Toronto. I don't care. If he doesn't like it, we'll have a conversation. I'll be like, Joe, I'm telling the truth. I'm sorry. In this matter, people are assuming that because I played for Montreal, I should, for some reason, stick up for them. I should, for some reason, have you know have their back. And maybe people are just think I'm, I'm butthurt because they sent me to the minors and this and that I have, there's no ill will towards Montreal whatsoever. Love Montreal. Love my time there. I played, played one game. It's a, it's a big joke. I, I don't care. still played one game. I am stating a fact that Montreal has no chance in this series. And this was before game one. This was before the shellacking that happened in game one. This was just my thoughts. And I think I am, you know, maybe more able to give my thoughts on a hockey game than Joe Schmo behind a keyboard sitting somewhere who's a Montreal fan who's just hurt. I don't know. I think I have a little credibility. That's all I'm trying to say. Just because I didn't play 25 minutes a game, I was still there, man. I was there. I, it's like those vets who were the medics or the guys who did, they weren't on the front lines. They were still there. They still experienced it. There's still trauma involved in being there. I was there. I was, I was on the bench. I was, you know, behind the scenes sometimes being a healthy squad. I was there. You guys don't even know. So anyways, to those guys, I'm glad you're listening. It's fun. You're allowed to disagree with me, but you know, maybe, maybe don't get so tied up in your passion for your team and just take a step back and realize we're going to get our doors beaten off in this series and that's okay. You know, we can't be the best every year. We had a good run. And that's what's happening. We saw it in game one. I don't know. Anything to touch on that, Tim? You're you're a very passionate Bruins fan. You probably have a you're on the other side of the coin. But John, don't they don't they have a point? No, John, I'm an unbiased hockey media professional now. That's I don't know if you know that. It says that on my resume. Uh, no, like those, I mean, I totally agree. And, and those same people, if you said, you know what, I think Montreal beats, beats Vegas in seven games. Those people would have been like, wow, John Scott knows what he's talking about. Like the exact same people wouldn't have been questioning, you know, it wouldn't have been taken with a grain of salt. It would have been John Scott. Finally, like someone speaking the truth, love this guy like that. It's just, it's just, they don't want to hear negative things about their team. And like you said, it's, it's okay if they defend them, but like, they have to understand that you don't have a dog in this race. You're not attacking anyone. You're just reading the tea leaves and saying, you know what, Vegas is a much better team. I see this going four games, maybe five if Carey Price steals one, and that's it. And that's just that's just your opinion, man. That's all he needs to know. And judging from game one, they're not going to win one game. There, there's no way. Just how game one went, how it, it, it played out, how Montreal, they really had a good first period. They had a really, really strong first period. They were, they were on their toes. They were pressuring Vegas. They were getting really great chances, and they could not – cracked that nut they could not get that lead flurry played strong in the first 10 12 minutes and then as soon as vegas found their legs as soon as they got a little confident you could tell who the better team was and then after that first period once we got into the second and third period it was all over 
like it was all over but the crying vegas was so dominant from from start to finish maybe not from start like i said montreal i think i'll play them for the first 10 minutes maybe 12 minutes of that first period they were really good and they had a lot of really good chances if, if they bury a couple of those chances it's a different game but they didn't and you know the game moves forward vegas gets confidence they were really using their defenseman well it was it was glaring the difference between the two teams how a really and Vegas's defensemen they're not overly offensive they're not these guys who are going to dangle you one on one but they have enough ability to make a play to make a pass to jump up in the play to be an offensive threat out there where Montreal's guys they're good solid defensemen you're not going to see a Shea Weber or a Joel Edmondson or those guys making really skilled plays with the puck like they're 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 solid defensemen don't get me wrong, but you're not going to see him doing what Shea Theodore can do. You're not going to see him what Alex Pietrangelo can do. You're not going to see him doing even an Alex Martinez. Like they really even Holden gets on the score sheet for Pete's sake. Like they have, they're just lacking that, you know, pyramids, pyramids, man, you know, and not many defensemen have that, but Vegas has, they have enough patience to make that extra pass that, that pass who made that pass to Holden? Was that uh, Theodore? There's Theodore, yep. That pass that he made to, to Martinez was was a thing of beauty. Like, it really was. He faked everyone out, even the announcers. He's going to shoot it, and then he's like, what happened? Oh, my goodness, he gave it over to Martinez. It was so pretty to watch. It really oh. was. It was a great goal. He drew a carry price 10 feet out of his net. It's that, and you love yourself some Shea Theodore. Didn't you say he was going to be a Norris candidate in the future? I did, like a year ago. Yeah, he's so good. He is a really, really good player. Yeah, it was just a very, very well played game by Vegas. One thing I noticed is you were really harping on the faceoffs before this series. It was it Vegas who you said has was really good in the faceoff dot and control the play. I know you said one team was strong in the no, faceoff dot. That was the Islanders Lightning series. Oh, excuse me. That that's what I noticed about this game. Two goals were directly off of a faceoff. Like, I'm talking win the draw, the puck's in the back of the net seven seconds later. So I don't know if Montreal needs to shore up their sentiment because you can't have that. You cannot lose a draw clean, go high to low when the puck's in the back of your net five, six, seven seconds later. It just It's so demoralizing as a team to have that happen. You need to have a, a sentiment. What our coaches would always say, you can't win every draw. We understand that. You cannot lose it clean. You cannot lose it a snapback draw because it doesn't give your you a chance to set up your defensive structure. If you're snapping them back to the defenseman, the offensive zone team has such an advantage because you have that extra two or three seconds to make a play to get to your spot to just make things happen. Whereas if it, if there is a sort of a, a tie up, even for one second, it gives guys a chance to get out to their point. It gives the defenseman a chance to get in on the play. It changes everything. But when you're snapping it back, it's really hard on the defense to kind of make a play. The centerman has time to come up and around and create a three on two up high, and it just kind of changes the whole dynamic so Montreal is going to have to do some work in the face-off circle and that's that's the least of their problems it really is because they they were thoroughly outplayed in this game what did you think of this game Tim 
Yeah, I mean, like I kind of went into it hoping that it would be closer just because of the uh, the attention that you were getting online. I'm like, oh, I hope this makes a game and we get more of these comments. But like you said, it really wasn't much of a game. Uh, I mean, Vegas just did everything better and Flurry just better than Price in, in that game, too. And I, I that's the kind of the, that's the main matchup for me to watch is what Flurry and Price are doing the rest of this series. Because I do think I don't I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I do think Price can win one. I do think you're underestimating Montreal's offense a little bit, but uh, I don't think it's going to be a long series regardless. Yeah, we'll see. I don't think I'm not going to go into this again. I don't think I'm underestimating Montreal, but I, I just don't think they stack up with Vegas. And I will, you know, kind of fight you on this one. I think Price played well. He made some highlight reel saves that are going to be on Rock'em Sock'em. His, his save on Tuck and his save on Marcia Stowe, like the one on Tuck was incredible. Was that the glove like, save? It's if he's coming across. He, yeah, the glove save. It, it could be on every video game cover for the next ten years. Like it was unbelievable. And the one on Marchesto side to side, you saw it after the fact. Marchesto just he's like, what am I like? What do I what do I have to do? It was a perfect shot just above the pad. Price gets across post to post. He might be the best post to post goalie in in hockey. And he's so fast. It, it was real. Like he played well. He really did play well. So. Yes, Vegas won the game, but man, Price did play well. If there is any other goal in that net, it, it really would have got out of hand. It, it would have been ugly. It would have been five, six, seven, one. Price played that again. It's expected. Montreal is not as good of a team than Vegas. All Vegas has to do is show up and play their game. That's all they have to do. They don't have to. The great thing about Vegas, they don't have to rely on the power play because they're a really good five on five team. Their strength is their five on five. They are not a good power play team. They are not a good penalty kill team. They are average at both, maybe even below average in power play. They need to just keep it five on five, not even grind it out. Just play your game. They play such a good game. They're so fast. They're up and down the ice. Montreal can't keep up. And I don't want to say keep up in a speed way. Just keep up in a skill way. Vegas is bigger. They pounded them. They 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 controlled the whole pace of the game. It was. It was a well-played game by Vegas. And I, I don't want to throw stones at Montreal because they played well. You know, they there's no fault in saying the other team's better. That's it. Like, we met our match. And that's okay. You can hang your hat on that. They went out. They worked hard. It is what it is. Montreal is still years away from being in that category of a Vegas. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. And I mean, I don't know that they get there necessarily. And Vegas is just such a, a strong team. It's hard to think like not everyone gets there. You know, people teams go decades without building like a roster as solid as Vegas has. So uh, they do have the young pieces. I think they are, like you said, a few years and a few players away. I mean, I know it's still early in the series, but just looking ahead, like what are, what do you think stands out that Montreal needs to do in order to get to that next level? Well, it's funny you mentioned those pieces. I was just watching the game, and everybody kept running, mentioning Max Pacioretty. I went back and I looked at that trade just to see exactly who went where and who who got traded for what. And it doesn't usually happen this way, but I think both teams, if they went back to execute this trade again, they would. I think it's worked out for both teams. You see how good Suzuki is. He's he's going he's going to be if he already isn't a very very good player in this league. I think right now he's a good player where he's a top six guy, he will be, if he keeps progressing like he is, he'll be a top three guy. He'll be dangerous where you need to game plan for a Suzuki. 
And Pacioretty went to Vegas. They had just lost in the Stanley Cup final, and they needed some goal scoring. You know, they needed a guy to come in and shore up their offense. They had some exciting players, but they needed a consistent guy where they can put him in every situation and to be that guy, to be that go-to guy. And since Pacioretty, I didn't realize how successful Pacioretty's been in Vegas. He has gone into this team, and since he's arrived, he leads the team in every offensive statistic. Like every single one. The only one he doesn't lead him in is shots, and he's second in shots. He leads him in total points, goals, even strength points, uh, power play goals, power play assist, like all of them. He leads every single category. Since he's arrived, he's on top, which is exactly what Vegas wanted when they when they traded for him. And he, he re-upped there for $7 million, so good for him. But uh, I think looking back, if you're Bergevin and you're McPhee, you do this trade again. And it's worked out, but I think in the long run, Suzuki, man, he's going to be good. And the wild card in this trade was Thomas Tatar. He was a throw-in because I remember Vegas got him from Detroit. It was like a Thomas Tatar was playing great. He's going to come to Vegas. He's going to you know give him that extra push to to get over that hump. It was it was going to be so exciting. And he just laid an egg. He was a healthy scratch in the playoffs. He didn't amount to anything, and they were stuck with this Thomas Tatar. And he was almost a throw-in on this deal where they just wanted to get rid of him. They just wanted to wash their hands of that trade. It didn't work out. And he's came into Montreal. He's been their leading scorer since he's arrived. He's played great. He's always exceeded all expectations. He's 20 points ahead of the next closest guy for his time there. It's a shame he's not playing right now. He's obviously hurt. But, boy, I I can't think of a better situation for both teams for this trade. I don't know. I, I got sidetracked on this. But it's uh, it's kind of cool to see a trade work out like this where both teams are happy. And they're both really happy with their return. And I don't know. It's very rare. Usually there's a clear winner. And this one, unless Suzuki turns into like an absolute superstar, I think it's going to be an even trade to the end of time, Tim, to the end of time. But But even if he he does turn out the superstar, I think Vegas is still happy with that trade just because of what they gotten from Patch already in the playoff runs, especially if they can go to the, the finals again, which is looking like they will. Um, like I said, I, I just think it's a total win-win for both teams. Totally agree. And then to answer your question about what Montreal needs, I don't think they need much. I think they need a little seasoning. They have the place players in place. You're watching the m- m- maturation of Suzuki and Kaki and Nemi and Caulfield and all these young, exciting players from Montreal. And when you're this age, all you need is just time. Like you will gain this experience. Experience is invaluable. And to have them in this situation where they're playing, you know, in the spotlight, final four, everybody's watching versus a really, really good team in Vegas who has that experience. You're just a sponge and you're soaking up all of this stuff and you'll learn how to win. You'll figure it out. And it's, it's invaluable. So I just think they need some seasoning and then maybe go out and get, that's the thing. Do they need a superstar? Do they need a guy to come in and be the guy? Because when you're Montreal and you go, just say you're down a goal, who do you go to? Who's taking that shot at the end of the game? Who Who's the guy? Is it is it Weber? You're giving him the shot from the point? Who's Foley probably, right? Foley? Is it Gallagher? Is it Suzuki now? Who is it? Who's the guy? That's the thing. There's there's no one guy. When you look at every team, if it's Vegas, you're going to Stone or Pacioretty. That's their two guys. If you're going to what other teams? If it's Tampa Bay, it's going to be Kucherov or Stamkos. If it is the Islanders, it's going to be Barzal or Nelson, most likely. So you have a couple of guys who it's going to be. You that, That's your legit go-to guys. You don't have that in Montreal, and I think you need to have that guy to kind of come in and be like, give it to me. 
I'm going to get the puck. I'm going to score. And if I don't score, I'm going to draw two guys to me. So you're going to have a wide open net. And you don't have that dangerous player who the other team was like, okay, we need to watch that guy. He is a threat every time he's on the ice. We need to take care of him and just eliminate him from the game. They don't have that. It would be nice if they did, but I just don't know if if they're there yet to go out and reach for a player like that. They they wanted that to be Drewan. It didn't work out. We'll see how that kind of shakes up, but they're they're very close. Well, they're not very close. Colorado was very close. Montreal needs some time. I think they're four years away, three, four years away from being a legit threat. What's kind of not so good at this point is Carey Price isn't going to be Carey Price in four years, most likely. So when those kids mature and they're ready to go and it's go time, who's going to be their goalie? Because Carey Price isn't going to play like this for, for much longer. He's, you know, once goalies hit 30, that's when they start to, you know, their best years are behind them. So we'll see what happens. They're, they're still in good shape. Bergevin hasn't signed these guys to albatross contracts. Like they, I don't think they're looking too terrible in the contract area, but I don't know. I, I don't think you really put them in the contender category for a few years now, Tim. Sorry. To all those Montreal fans, I'm sorry. Truth hurts, but they're a good team. Like coming into next year, they're not going to be favored if it's another North division. They'll still be the third seed. If we do a rankings, it'll be Toronto. It'll be Winnipeg. That That's just a matter of Edmonton's always going to be in there. Montreal, this, you know, just accept where you're at. You, you have a good future ahead of you. I, I like where they're at. Their young guys are playing well. That's all you can really hope for with draft picks. Just, uh, I don't know. That, that's You're in a good situation. Right. I mean, they're trending up. And that's, I mean, they're already playing with house money at this point. So anything beyond this is just, is just gravy. So really nothing to be upset about if you're a Montreal fan. A couple more points in this series. The fact that Jeff Petrie is out is a bigger deal than I think people make it out to be. When you have a guy who can eat up 25 minutes and is an anchor on that back end, he's not a top two guy. He's a three, four guy, but he just. No, he's, no, he's a, he's, he's a top, a top two, two guy. Yeah. Well, he, he doesn't play in their top two. He plays in the three, four pairing, doesn't he? Yeah, but he was getting Norris votes. You're right. But I'm just saying on this team, he plays the three, four slot. It, 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 it changes your game plan and it changes everything. You, you go from relying on four guys to split the majority of the minutes. They eat up a chunk of time. Now you're trying to spread it out between three guys and you're working defensemen into that four spot. You're trying to see who works, who doesn't work. He's on the power play. He's on the penalty kill. It changes everything. And so this injury is a huge factor in this series. If Petrie's in there, I would have maybe said they could win one game because he changes the way they game plan. Like I said, when you're matching lines, like you can, you know, write it down on paper, lock it in. Those two forty, those four defensemen are going to take care of the top three lines of Vegas. And you match up your five, six versus their fourth line. That's how it always was. And uh, it's uh, it's a big, that's a big hit for Montreal to have him out of the lineup. So we'll see if he comes back. Man, I, I just keep picturing his pinky just getting completely ripped off his hand. That's all uh. I can think of. Like, that's all I can think of is just him just going back to the bench, taking off his glove, and his pinky's just hanging there. It's like, yucky. Put your glove back on. I don't want to see it. it. Poor guy. Like, it's a fluke accident. And it's not even like it's his bottom hand where you can maybe get by on your bottom hand. Your top hand, you cannot get by. Your pinky, like, is right on that knob. Like, you, you have to, ugh. it's a yucky injury. And then the Evans is close to coming back, which is good. Not that he's going to move the needle too much. Jake Evans, you know, obviously got the concussion when Shifley buried him on that clean hit. But um, he's coming back. He's been skating. That's good to see. So maybe Montreal will have some fresh bodies. And one more thing I wanted to touch on before we move on to the uh, Islanders-Tampa Bay game too. 
how great is Mark Andre Fleury's style? I just I got I get caught up just watching his pads and his mask. He, he's always been on point with his style. Back in his days with Pittsburgh, he had the bright yellow pads. He doesn't go. He doesn't try too much. He's always monochromatic. If you notice, it's a single color. In your face, bold. He's not trying to go out there and be crazy. I, I think he looks fantastic. I really do. I, I love the way he looks. The gloves, everything. Everything, everything cool. he does is just cool. Like every story I hear about him, like the way he carries himself, like what he does on the ice, what he does off the ice. He's just might be the coolest guy in the league. How much would you pay to go out for dinner with Mark Andre Fleury? I don't know, hundred dollars. No, yeah, no, you're so. If someone said right now, Tim, if you give me two hundred fifty dollars, you can go out to dinner with Mark Andre Fleury tonight. What would you say? Uh, no, no, no. You're such a big timer now. You have all these NHL guys in your phone. You've changed. <laughs> yeah, asked me two years ago. Yeah, last year you'd be like a thousand dollars. I'll make dinner. Well, I just think he's so cool. I've never met him. I want to meet him. We got to get him on the show. I think we let's let's ask Revo Ryan Reeves, good friend. <laughs> give us his not. We might Tim. That would be fun. <sighs> You kidding me heads up that would be unbelievable all right that's the last thing i want to touch on in this series vegas is going to win tonight and they'll win the next two and they're going to have a little break so maybe we can catch them in that window how sweet would that be moving on as i like to say the other series going on right now which is a little more can we say competitive we don't know who's really going to win this series it's a very well matched matchup they played last night lightning islanders and as a Stanley Cup champion ought to do, they answered the bell. The Tampa Bay Lightning came back and they won four to two. They evened up the series one one. I think it was a, you know, it was a good game for the Lightning. What, what I don't think I wasn't overly impressed with them. I wasn't blown away by how they answered the bell. They played well. I think what led to their victory was just a lot of mistakes by the Islanders. I really do. If Pelich doesn't play this game, maybe maybe the Islanders win. Pellich played dead. He played bad. He, he had an off night. He directly turned puck over twice in his own zone, trying to get it out of the zone. Doesn't make it past the blue line. Lightning score. Bang, bang. Two goals right away. He pushes point into Varlamov. Hurts Varlamov. Who knows what's wrong with him? Probably still concussed. Comes back. Plays well. Anyways, because he was out of position, pushes point. That should not have been a penalty. I know we're going to touch on that later. If Pellick doesn't play this game. The Islanders win. I'll just say it. I'll say it right now. And he's a great <laughs> defenseman. He's a great defenseman, but he had an off night, boy. He played really, really bad. And when your number one defenseman has a bad night, you're not going to win. And this isn't, this isn't, um, it's not because the Islanders, or excuse me, the Lightning were pressuring him. It's not because the Lightning were doing anything special to him. He just panicked with the puck. Um, he had it behind the net for the first goal. He had a clear play to his winger who was on the half boards. He could have just softly, you know, threw it around the boards. The guy had enough time to corral it and make a play. He wasn't getting pressured. He decided to try to bank it off the boards for whatever reason. He's doing geometry. I don't know why he did that. It goes right by his winger, right to defense. When defenseman rips it in, it's a goal. The next play, he's under a little bit of pressure behind the net. Varlamov shoots it over to him and he just rims it around, which is fine. If you rim it around, you have to put enough mustard on it so the winger, your winger, can just tip it out. 
You can't rim it around super soft where the Tampa Bay Lightning can make a play on it and they can figure out the best plan of attack. You have to rip it hard. That's that's like a, you have to do that. You can't put your winger in such a bad spot where he has to make a play when the puck is just dribbling. And it wasn't dribbling. It wasn't going fast enough for his winger to make a play on it. That's that's the matter of fact. So Pellet screwed his winger. He threw a bad pass up the boards. Both directly led to a goal, like right away. And that's why they lost. And then he pushes to boot. He was at a position when Braden Point jumped past him for a breakaway. He's like, I better push this guy. And he buries Point into his star goaltender who's been playing lights out. He has to leave the game. He's probably feeling terrible. What do I do? I just cost us a series because, I don't know, because, I don't know, Sorokin came in and played well. I'm just saying that. I think Sorokin's a dang good goalie. So um, my two cents on this this game was Pellick played awful. Tampa Bay didn't do anything that no one – they are who we thought they were. And then Pellick just couldn't handle it. Tampa's the better team, I think. I mean, they showed it last night. And, and just like the, the goals they score are so different from the goals the Islanders score. Like the uh, – gosh, who was it? Kucherov was skating down. I forget who he passed it over to. It might have been point, but just the patience. He has two guys on him. He kind of separates a little bit of uh, a time from himself, passes it through the slot to the guy streaking down who buries it. Like, just, I, I don't know. It's different from the Islanders kind of scoring those, like, those dirty, grinding goals. And the, yeah, and that the, shouldn't and, even have been a goal. That should have been disallowed. There's too many men on the ice. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, too, like, they're saying, okay, that was a makeup call for the point. Uh, collision, but they had already had a makeup call. Like Komarov got like a ghost interference call in Kalorn that shouldn't have been called. So it was should have been even at that point. And John, they didn't have just six guys on the ice; they had seven skaters on the ice for a I second. Don't know why you can't challenge that? Sometimes the rules. I'm just like that would be a no brainer thing to be able to challenge for. Too many men. It's easy to go back and go. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Too many men. It, and you, the only time you could challenge it if it is if it led to a goal. That's that's the only stipulation because you can't just be willy-nilly challenging too many men. But to your point with Kucherov, even though the goal shouldn't have been allowed, it was a pretty – like he he's a slick little player. To be able to pull up, make that play, pull up a couple times back and forth, did a little figure eight. Like he's – him on the power play, it's fun to watch him just with the puck. He, he's so incredibly good. He almost – I saw him one power play. He gets frustrated. Hedman took a shot. He's like, what do you do? Man, just give me the puck. I'm better than you are. Like stop shooting the puck. I know you're good. I'm better than you. Give me the puck and I'll make something better happen. And Hedman even scored right out, like after he he got a shot blocked, he got it back, and he scored the next shot. Even Kucherov was like, I, I would have scored a better goal. You should have passed it to me. <laughs> he's really good. Like He's a really good player. It makes me think of uh, – did I tell you the Yager story that Andrew Ferentz told on the Bruins podcast the other day? No. He uh, so Andrew Ferentz um, is doing like a commemoration podcast for the Bruins. Spent ten years since they won the cups. So he's interviewing all the guys, and he's talking about when he came up as a rookie with the Penguins, and Yager was at his prime then, like the mid nineties. And uh, and he's talking uh, like in between the periods, I go down the tunnel, and Yager comes up to him and goes, "Andy, Andy, you hold on to the puck too long. You need to get me the puck." And he's like, "Yeah, but Yager, every time I look up, you're surrounded by three guys. You got two or three guys on you every single shift." And he goes, Andy, Andy, still the better option than you. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. It's true, though. It, it, classic Yager story. Classic Yager, it, which is the truth. A, good, a really good player is better than an average player, even though they have two players draped all over them. It's just a matter of fact. One of the things I wanted to talk about this game, did you see that fight between Maroon and Martin? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want to call it. 
What is happening? Is I was that, so is- disappointed because they, they got separated early. They both shed the mist. The ref didn't let it happen earlier that period. And then when they finally went, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. What's and the it point? wasn't. What's the point? Is this what we're, we're calling fights nowadays? It's honestly, if I'm Gary Bettman, I'm like, get these things out of the game. That did not add anything. Even the fans were like, uh, what? And then the announcer's like, if that's what you call fighting, five minutes. Like, it was a complete waste of time. They just grabbed onto each other and just did not want to punch or do. It was, I was embarrassed for them. Like, you're supposed to be two of the tougher guys in the NHL. Well, throw, throw a punch or something. Do, do something. Don't just sit there and hold on to each other and just not throw a punch. The only time you would ever do that is if you're like you're really tired. You're in the playoffs. This is the first period. It was the first period. Like get go. It's it was it was very bizarre. Like you you try to I don't know. I don't want to bash a fighter. Like I know they have a hard job. It's very difficult. There's four teams left in the playoffs. Like you you you're jawing each other warm ups. You're jawing each other during the game. You tried to fight like you said. Like this build up was there. And it was a complete dud. It was a complete just waste of time. It was embarrassing. They should be ashamed of themselves. It was <laughs> if so, this is how fighting is gonna be, I don't want to be a part of it. It was a joke. My I rate that negative negative ten. It was so bad. So how does that like how does that happen though? Like both and these are the heavies in today's NHL. Like these are the guys that know how to fight. How does how does it Go like how do both guys on the same page were just like, hey, I'm barely not going to do anything. It Is there an like, agreement that just it just no. happened that way? What it looked like to me was Martin didn't want to get punched. He was nervous because he kind of hit his head behind Maroon's shoulder, and Maroon isn't as tough as Martin, so he went in a little gun shy. And they both were happy just to kind of sit there, like, okay. Martin's like, I'm taking Maroon off the ice. This is good for us. And Maroon's like, I'm not getting beat up. This is good for me. And they just sat there, and it was like a, a Mexican standoff, and nobody, nobody did anything. It was, it was such a strange fight. It was not a good look for tough guys. I'll say that. Yeah, if, if they're supposed to be the heavies, not, not good. Like, if this is what Ryan Reeves has to contest with, he's, he might play till he's 50. <laughs> it's, 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 it's honestly, I was like, what is how? I saw the, like, the fight. I'm like, okay, this is going to be great. This is going to be a good fight. I went to hockeyfights.com. I'm like, they're going to get a seven rating. It's going to be great. It was just a waste of time. I, I wasted two minutes of my life watching that video. I, I'll never get it back because it was just such a – why? What's the point? I don't know. The only thing that will make up for this is that they come back and fight next game and they actually throw a punch because I don't think anybody threw a punch that anywhere near landed. Maybe one threw a punch that maybe came within like a foot of their head. Was wasn't good, Tim. Not a good look. That's the only thing I want to say about this this game. Other than that, it was a good game. The waste of time that fight. Yeah, I agree. I, I was really disappointed. And I was hoping for better. So hopefully, I don't know. Do you think they go at it again in the series? I hope not. It was embarrassing. All right, let's do some quick hits. I, I got a golf today. I got to get out of here. You got a golf? I got stuff to do, man. I got a big golf tournament starting in a couple hours, so I got to get out to the range. Anyway, so did you see the um, Carolina Hurricanes gave permission for Dougie Hamilton to talk to other teams? What do you yeah. think of this? Isn't that strange? Okay. Does that mean that there's no chance he comes back? Are they doing him a favor? Or what, what is, what's the dynamic there? I think Carolina's just letting him just see what's out there, and maybe he will realize the market's not there, and he's going to price himself into a contract with Carolina now. So Carolina's hoping he goes out there and he, there's nothing there for him, and maybe he comes back and he's happy being in Carolina. 
but you're always risking the chance. They go out there and he's like, ah, listen, I found something pretty sweet. So peace out. Take care. Comb your hair. I think, it, it, I think he will. I mean, he's arguably a top 10 defenseman in the NHL, especially when you consider the points he puts up and the minutes he logs, like Edmonton needs a player like that badly. Chicago needs a guy like that. Like there, there are plenty of teams that would love to have him on their roster and that are probably have the cap space to make it happen. Bruins need a left, left shot defenseman. He's a righty though. Oh, he is. Dang it. Uh, that would have been sweet. Him going back to Boston. Uh, there's no chance. No, there is no, no chance. chance. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. He could go anywhere. Like he's a good defenseman. He can write his own ticket, but the money's not going to be there. It, it, it just isn't going to be there. It, it's one of those, one of those things. The money won't be there for another four or five years before this class. Like the cap's not going to raise for another couple of years. This is, this is the new normal where what you think you were going to get, you're going to get, Seventy percent of it. So if he's looking for eight million, you better be happy for five, five or six. Like it's just a matter of fact. Like I, I don't know what to tell you, but it's it's a very interesting strategy that the Carolina Hurricanes are doing. We'll see how it pays off for him, Cotton. Another little quick hit. The Rangers hired Gerard Gallant. What do you think of that hiring? Good hiring. Yeah, good hiring. I think he's he's uh, what they need, and hopefully they can kind of get him over that hump. They at least need to make a playoff berth. I need to see what those guys can do in the playoff. The the foxes and. Panarin's advantage at and then hopefully Lafreniere takes a big step forward too. He's a very John Tortorella type of coach where he's just a hard-nosed guy, maybe more player-friendly than Torts was, but just very old school. I'm going to bag skate. If you play bad, you better, you know, bring your work boots. Let's go. Let's get things done. So I don't know. We'll see how it works out with New York. A lot of these young guys don't like to do that, Tim. We've seen it time in and time out. Didn't really work well in Toronto with Babcock. Young guys like to have control. They like to have a little bit of ownership. So I don't see it working. I honestly don't. They need to get a young guy who is progressive, who can kind of coddle these young guys, almost like a therapist. Just get in there and be like, you're the best. Stroke their egos a little bit. That's the only way these guys – you're shaking your head like it's not true. It's true. It's oh, man. It's just a millennial talk. Once a week it comes up, the little speech that you give, and there's nothing to it. It's not. It's everything to it. There's everything. There's it's completely true, and I'm not just saying it to get people's goats going. Young kids are built differently than players who were born even ten years ago, fifteen years ago. There's not that drive and work ethic. There really isn't. They've been coddled and told they're the best ever since they were a child, and they don't know how to react when someone challenges them or someone says you're not good. We need you to do something different. It's not me. It's you. I'm the best. Talk to my old coaches and my parents and my agents. They think, they think I'm good. You are wrong, sir. I, I reject what you're saying. I want a new coach. Fire him. Fire Mike Babcock. He's not good. I don't like him. But he was the best coach ever coming into Toronto. He's the worst. We need somebody else. Sheldon O'Keefe is new. He is, he is such a trans. He's just going to change the way we play hockey. Oh, we're still losing. We still suck. Okay, maybe walk up to Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and say, you guys are, you need to pick it up. You need to play a little with a little bit of grit in your, why does it always come back to Toronto, Tim? I don't know. (laughs) I I must have some deep-seated resentment for Toronto. I don't know. But they're just such an easy target because it's so obvious why they're not winning. They need to have a little bit of, you know, sandpaper. Don't make make life a little bit difficult for those guys. Willie Nylander. Guy looks like he goes to the spa every stinking day. Gets his hair blown <laughs> out. Like, come on. Like, make life a little bit difficult for these that trio, and maybe you'd be a little more successful. Anyways, that's my two cents. I don't. Th- I think it'll be fine for the first year and a half, two years, but then the message will wear off, and 
he doesn't stick around wherever he is long. If you've noticed, he goes, he's successful. And for some reason he gets fired. Why? Why? He's successful. Why not keep him? Players don't like him. All right. Anything else, Timbo? Nope. Nope. All right, everybody. Well, we got Marcus Foligno coming on on Friday. That'll be exciting. We'll hear his little take on the Minnesota Wild, what he thinks of the matchup, the Vegas Golden Knights, all that good stuff. So we will talk to you guys on Friday. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 